Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. I am so thrilled on multiple levels to have Dr. Doug Mater back on the show. He wrote the book, The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. And I fell in love with the book, and he's now won some amazing awards for it. So I think I had a prescient view of it, but I also fell in love with him. He's an amazing veterinarian. He's so famous around the world, which I didn't know. I just realized he is the guy that people sit at his feet to learn about exotic pets, as well as wildlife that is exotic and shouldn't be a pet like crocodiles and others. The really cool thing is that Dr. Doug and I are going to be co-hosting a new podcast called Exotic Pets. We're very excited. ZooMed Laboratories is going to be the sponsor. They're the most world-renowned maker of equipment for those who have exotic reptiles and amphibians, but they also really recognize Dr. Doug's standing in the world. Uh, the veterinary world, as an educator and as a passionate uh, embracer of those who have exotic pets. Doug, I'm really excited for our new show. I want to make sure that the people that listen to this show, if they're the least bit curious about any of the incredible list of animals that people can have as pets, that they'll listen to our show or if they have, I don't know, a nephew with a bearded dragon, they'll tell them about it. But I'm really happy for you that that all the, the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into creating your vet clinic all those years ago and writing the book have paid off with so many people celebrating you. So congratulations on that. Sometimes books get written and published and they fall into kind of a dark hole. And yours is a shining star on top of 
a, a pile of books that people are finding and loving. So congratulations to you for that. Thanks so much, Tracy. It's really an honor to be back here with you, and I really appreciate all your support. Um, and I'm so glad you were right when you thought that the book was going to do well, because <laughs> it's nice to know that it has. You Tell know, us really about the awards, because well they're, they're really cool. Um, yeah, I was very humbled. I, I received two nice awards. Um, one is called the, what was the 2023 uh, Bookshelf Reader's Favorite Award for Nonfiction. And then I just got back from Tallahassee where I received the bronze medal for the Florida Authors Award for nonfiction. So it's pretty very great. exciting and humbling to me. It's wonderful. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, thank for, you. first time author, but how many years have you been a triple board certified veterinary specialist and been influential and important in the field simply because you are devoted and dedicated to the not dog and cat? pets and the not dog and cat species because you've been involved with zoos also there's a i'm going to definitely with this show the podcast of this interview put the picture of you that you use sometimes as a kind of uh, avatar and it's you with this gigantic well sure looks gigantic to me crocodile in the water with them and i thought wait a minute do you like that australian guy that used to jump in and, you know, just like play with alligators or crocodiles. What is that picture? You told me his name is Casper. Ah. He has a name. Yeah, his name is Casper. He's uh, he's one of my patients. I've been taking care of him. He's over 50 years old, and uh, wow. he's about 250 pounds. And I've been taking care of him for about 25 years, and so he knows me. I know him. I can walk up to his pond and call his name, and he'll lift up his head. He'll look for me and then swim right over. Oh, my God. Um, that is not to imply that people should jump in a pond with an alligator. <laughs> Please don't do that. And that that is a little bit sets me as, apart from Steve Irwin. And Steve Irwin was a, a very entertaining individual from Australia. I'm sure your listeners have, are familiar with his story. Um, he did a lot of things which were considered quite dangerous. And a lot of people got hurt because they tried to emulate what he was doing. Um, I, I get in the water with Casper if I have to do exams on him for certain things and I know him well enough and I, I've been working with gators long enough that I can read their body language. And there are certain days that Casper's in a bad mood. I'm not going to get in the water with him. <laughs> it's an alligator. You know, <laughs> Tracy, if you look at your hand, his brain is about the size of the tip of your pinky. Literally, so, literally, yeah, that's the size. Literally. Um, so, you know, you, you have to know what you're doing and you also have to work with people that you trust because, if I walk up to a particular pen with an alligator or anything in it that's potentially injurious and the keeper's telling me that, you know, hey, Fido's having a bad day today, I'm not going to go in there with him. I, I remember, Tracy, I remember one day I went up to uh, one of my clients and he had a, uh, a big brown bear, probably weighed well over a thousand pounds and it was limping. And he goes, oh, you can just go in. His name was Josh. He goes, you can just go in the cage with Josh and check his foot. And I go, no, Josh doesn't know me. And it says, Andy hurts. And if I go in there and I touch his foot with an owie, Josh is going to eat me. No, oh, no, 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 no. Josh is great. He would never, he would never bite you. And I said, no. I said, if you want to go in a cage with him, you can go in the cage with him and then walk him over to the side. And then I'll look at him through the cage or we can sedate him. So let's, let's just take the conservative route and. You know, I'm not even comfortable with you going in, in there with him if he's not feeling good. But right. he says, oh, no, no, he won't hurt me. And I said, okay, well, if you want to walk in the cage with Josh, this 1,000-pound bear, and walk him over to the side of the cage, you know, I'll be happy to look at him. 
So he went in the cage, walked Josh over the side of the cage, and he actually was able to get Josh to lift up his foot. And I looked at his foot, and sure enough, he had a big thorn in his foot. I was able to reach through the cage with some forceps and remove the thorn. We gave him some pain medication, and Josh did fine. Fast forward a couple of months, the owner went into the cage with Josh for some other reason. Josh was having a bad day, and Josh bit the owner's leg and almost tore it off. Wow. So <laughs> you really yeah, have to be These are wild animals. You know, they're not pets. You see them on TV, and they look so cute and cuddly. Oh, look at the big bear. He's so nice. But you got to remember, it's a wild animal, and it will eat you in a heartbeat. Okay, so just for a second, and which isn't an exotic pet, we are not recommending brown bears or, or no. black bears, any kind of bears at all. Um, particularly, there's some kind of a, a bear that comes from some a tiny thing called a bear, I don't know the name of it, that some exotic people want to have as a pet because it's cute looking. But that's not what we're going to be talking about on exotic pets. But you do talk about these kind of events in your book, The Vet at Noah's Ark. And I just want to know, why did this man have a bear in a cage? Which man was that? The, the, the guy with the brown bear, Josh. I mean, oh, was oh, that his uh, pet or what? No, no, no. He's... um. He owns a, a rescue and a rehab facility up okay. in the Everglades. And so um, that particular bear came from another facility out of state. And I don't, it, it was there. It's been there before I was there. So it's been there for a long time. And I don't remember the original reason that came in. But it's looking but, after um, it, basically. Yeah, he has, a, he has a rescue rehab facility, and he just provides care for animals that are injured. If they, wow. if they are nice. native and they, it is permitted by Fish and Wildlife, he will... And I will work with him and we'll treat the animals and release them if they're appropriate for a release by state law. Um, if not, he just gives them forever homes. And that wow. particular animal ended up having a forever home. That's, that's quite extraordinary. So Casper, the, the crocodile, who, I mean, at, there he's got this brain the size of my pinky, but he comes to your voice. He recognizes you. He hangs with you. He swims with you. Is that true of the smaller versions of exotic pets that people really do own, whatever might fall into that amphibian category. He's an amphibian, right? Oh, he's a reptile. He's a reptile. Um, yeah, okay. a reptile. An amphibian would be something like a frog or a salamander. It really depends. That's a really, really great question because there are you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of different species of, ex of exotic pets. And everyone is different. I mean, people keep hermit crabs as pets. You know, yes. most people don't realize something like a hermit crab can live 25 years. That's a long time. That's that's two times most dogs. Wow. Um, and they do respond to people. Whether they respond to love, probably not. They just recognize an owner as somebody who's going to provide them food. Um, but you get something like a rabbit. Rabbits are extremely affectionate. And then you can go the flip side of that. You can look at something like a spider because people do keep spiders. Can't necessarily say that they're affectionate, but people do form that atypical human-animal bond with, with their pet spider. I'll use my own self as an example. I had a pet frog for, for 18 years. You and did? And every day I'd come home from work, you know, I'd feed the frog. I'd turn his light on in the morning, turn it off at night, keep him clean. And I'd talk to him, tell him about my day. You know, we didn't sit down and cuddle up and watch TV or something like that. But he was part of my life for 18 years. Wow. And when he finally passed away, a kidney cancer, you know, that was, it left a hole in my heart. For real. And, oh, and yeah. how did you know it was kidney cancer? Did you do a necropsy? I did a necropsy, which is, that's an animal autopsy. Yeah. 
Wow. So, you know, he probably would have lived another two or three, four years. I, I don't really know how long he would have lived because there's not a lot of records on those. But um, the point I'm trying to make is that human-animal bond, it transcends dogs and cats. Yes. Um, because people need the companionship. It's, it's well-documented and well-proven. And, you know, even something like a fish, um, one of my young associate doctors used to keep a pet betta fish on her desk at work. And again, you know, it, it sat in a bowl on her desk and in between clients, when she sit there and write her records, she would talk to the fish, she'd feed the fish, she'd clean it. And it was part of her life. And, you know, you, people think, oh, it's just a stupid fish. It's not a stupid fish. Well, isn't you know, it? Isn't it's, that it's the, part of somebody's life? Very much so. But isn't it also the, the highly dramatic fish that you can't have two males in a bowl or they kill each other? They will. Yeah, the, they call them Siamese fighting fish. And they do like cockfighting and dogfighting. You know, in certain parts of the world, they do fight these fish. But in this country, that's not really appropriate. But they're, the, males in it, the males are much more ornate and elaborate, which is common in, in the animal world. Right. Um, the male species is usually more ornate because their secondary sexual characteristics are what attract the female during mating. But um, the males and females both make great, and you can keep them together. Um, the males are a lot of fun. And a lot of people will put a mirror up next to their fish tank if they have a male. And then the male will go over and look at itself in the mirror and, and then kind of have little conversations with itself. <laughs> kind of some, you know, verging on, on angry conversations. Like yeah, outside a bar, they'll they'll actually flash their gills and you know, uh, you know, position themselves and and do all the stuff that they would do with a male they don't recognize. So all of these things are are what we're going to talk about on exotic pets, and I think also talk about every time you mention something like you'd come home and put the light on on the frog's terrarium if it was called a terrarium, which all of which you will explain in the show because I'm definitely the neophyte who's fascinated and. And other than, you know, having caught a tarantula once, which is another story, I haven't had exotic pets particularly. I accidentally had a monkey once and were very anti-monkey oh, no. <laughs> ownership. That was, you know, back in the days when no one was politically correct. It didn't last long. He scratched himself all the time and made us all feel itchy. So gave him back to the pet store, not knowing we should never have had one in the first place. But I think the, the fact of how these animals need to be kept, I mean, that's what ZooMed does. I mean, they make the lights and the heat lamps for these creatures, but each creature has different requirements for light and heat and other environmental conditions that I don't think people know when they go and get their bearded dragon or whatever your starter exotic animal is. And I think that's a lot of what you want to do, isn't it? To, to make sure that people understand the requirements and they meet those animals' requirements. Well, that's it's kind of a complex question, and I'm going to answer it in two, two parts. Number one is uh, if we want to be good stewards and take good care of our pets and provide them with the proper environment that they need, because remember, a bearded dragon is not a dog or a kitten, um, then you need to be you need to know about that animal. But you also have to have a place where you can go and buy that's the proper right. housing, food, lighting, and that's where ZooMed comes in handy. I, I've worked with that company for God, close to over three decades. Wow. You know, I knew the original founder and we used to do a lot of consulting together because way back when, Tracy, it was, you know, one size fits all. You yes. get a snake, you get an amphibian. You, you know. That's right. You're, you're, you're probably old enough to remember the little plastic uh, 
molds that you could buy like at the five and dime crust stores or Ben yep. Franklin stores for the penny turtles. Yes. They were clear. They had I, a little had center island. Yeah. yeah. And it had a little plastic palm tree in it. And then you yep. put your dried flies in there. Yep. And you're, you'd buy the penny turtle that would live about six, eight months and it would die. Yep. And that was just the expected because one size fits all. Yep. Well, thank God we've gone way past that. And ZooMed Laboratories, hence the name Laboratories, because they do a lot of research. They put a lot of work into designing their environments and their foods and all of their supplements and, and all of the accoutrements for these animals. They do a fantastic job. And and it's needed with the different animals. And I think that's what, why we want people to come and listen, because right. it is fascinating the lengths to which humans will go to support that bond. I do think that people that seek out unusual pets will will go the distance and want to do the right thing. They're hungry for the information. They're hungry for the advice. It shouldn't just be on an online forum where, well, I heard this and I read that. It's. I just feel really proud that you are going to do this show with me and we can be the place people come for reliable, proper information so that so that a frog can live 18 years because seriously, who knew a frog could live 18 years? And some of these tortoises live and live and live and live. I mean, you have to make provision for them in your will. And Absolutely. Not to mention parrots. We're going to do a lot on birds because that's another specialty of yours. We've. I, I just wanted to whet everyone's appetite and send you guys over to Exotic Pets. The podcast is on all of the streaming platforms as is dog talk and kitties too after you listen to it here the vet at noah's ark stories of survival from an inner city animal hospital is dr doug mater's most wonderful book and that is what i want to leave you with it's a wonderful book it's full of tales of triumph and not so much woe of people and animals of many kinds and dr doug leading the way to kindly and generously ease people into knowing the right thing to do by other species. So, Doug, thank you for the book, and thank you for taking the time, as you've done for decades and decades as an educator all around the world, to reach out to just regular humans who aren't don't have a vet degree and aren't trying to get a better vet degree, which is the people you usually talk to, um, and just say to people, it's a great thing to have an animal in your life, whatever that animal is, and we want to make sure it's the best possible experience for both sides of the tank, so to speak, or the cage. Thanks, Dr. Doug. Oh, Tracy, thank you so much for the opportunity, and it, it is, it's so important to you know, have a pet in your life and then know how to properly care for it because it gives so much back to you. That's right. It isn't just dogs and cats, people, but we still love them too. Thanks, Dr. Doug. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human-edible, ethically-sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. 
They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat.